sorry, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. It's going to be a little bit different. We're going to be um, going through different scriptures following um, by times of prayer. So if you're inviting people to listen to this message via podcast, it's going to seem a little disjointed at times, because when I go home this afternoon, I'm going to take out the recording of the message and, and cut and paste and kind of put it together, but we'll try to uh, put something out there that will bless people. This last weekend, we celebrated New Year's Eve. Everybody, Anybody here stay up till midnight and watch the ball drop? Is that part of your New Year's tradition? I think I was asleep by 9.30. I'm 48, I'm old. <laughs> I mean, New Year's to me is, you know, staying up till 11 and watching the ball fall on the East Coast, but... Um, New Year's Eve, if you watch TV or watch the news at all, you always see the year in remembrance kind of stuff. And it's a time of, of personal remembrance sometimes, and we take personal inventory about where we have come over this last year. Many people do this thing called making resolutions, which is to resolve to do something better in their lives um, this coming year. Anybody here ever made a New Year's resolution? I know I have. How many have actually kept every one of their New Year's resolutions? No hands. I didn't think so. Good, because I'm, I'm not alone then. I usually don't. I don't even make resolutions anymore because I don't like making, or making a promise to myself and then not following through. And if you're a typical American, New Year's resolutions last less than two weeks. It doesn't matter if your New Year's resolution, you know, some of the top ones this year were getting in shape, getting more organized, quitting smoking, quitting drinking, just, you know, your typical New Year's resolution kind of things. But um, statistics show that um, they last less than two weeks before they're back doing the same thing that you were doing this last year. And the reason that most people fail is because they try to change their actions without addressing who they are on the inside. Many times in the church, the same thing happens to us. We resolve that we're going to read more of the Bible, we're going to spend more time in prayer, we're going to shut the TV off, especially when there's something objectionable being shown. And one of the things about us as humans is that we get into this performance-based mindset. We get into this mindset that says our actions are what is needed to be governed. And that's why we have laws. Laws govern society's actions. And in the Old Testament, you had 613 separate legal, moral, and ceremonial laws to govern the outward behavior of Israel. Anybody want to quote all 613 to me? I can't either. But what we found out when you look at all these laws is that you can't legislate morality. You can't legislate behavior. You can only punish bad behavior. You have to have something that is changed on the inside that forms the basis of who you are if you ever expect to change your actions. In other words, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. Your actions expose who you really are on the inside. And therefore, if we as a body of believers are going to make resolutions, we need to address in what is on the inside of us and not just what we do if we're going to grow in our walk with God and perform the gospel mission that Jesus has given to every single person here. In the scripture we're going to read, the Church of Thessalonica, Paul is praising them for enduring suffering for the cause of the gospel. He tells them how proud he is that Christ is being formed in them and that their mission is being accomplished despite intense persecution. 
He tells them that their roots were sunk deep into Jesus Christ. And that is what I want for us this year, for our roots to be sunk deep in Him, for us to grow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight into the love of God and His power that's available for us. So we're going to begin this morning by reading what Paul told the church in Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 11. Paul says, with this in mind, with this, this incredible witness that they have, is what he's speaking of, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling, that by his power he may be, bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, I just ask, Lord, that you just be with us this morning as we go from Scripture to prayer, Scripture to prayer, that your word will be dug deep into our hearts, Father, that it will penetrate into the dividing of soul and sparrow, joint and marrow, that you are... Uh, soul and spirit, joint and marrow, that you will judge the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts and bring a lasting change within us. Father God, we don't want to make a resolution that we forget about before we get to our cars. We want to, make, we want to resolve to follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is our prayer this morning, Lord. We ask that you accomplish this through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul gives us some bullet points to encourage the church to continue to pursue God and to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And we're going to look at some of them this morning and pray our way through three of these points. And the first point I want to look at is to receive and to live in God's power. One of the common criticisms that I hear of the church, when I tell people, you know, you should get involved with the church, you should go to church, you should follow Jesus Christ. These different things, especially in the younger crowd and the millennials, as they say, you know, you keep talking about the miracle working power of Jesus Christ. You, tell, you keep saying that Jesus will change your life. You keep saying that Jesus will heal my emotions and my spirit and everything else. And I hear about all this power, so where is it? Because a lot of the times, I, the people in the church aren't any different than I am. They just act slightly differently, and they just cover up and put a facade on, but they don't really have that power that is within them. And the Apostle Paul had a dire prediction of the last day's church. And you see it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul said, For, the, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. And for years, I have looked at that verse, and I have taught that verse as a description of the world in the last days. But as I was studying for this message, it occurred to me that that's the way the world has always been. Why would the Holy Spirit tell Paul and waste ink to explain to him what he already knew the world was like? So as I started to study this, and I considered like the words of the Apostle John, 
when he was talking to the church of Laodicea, when he was talking that they were so lukewarm that they were neither hot nor cold that he wanted to spew them from their mouth, it occurred to me that Paul isn't talking about the world here. He is talking about the last day's church that is bought into the apostasy of an easy believinism. Just accept Jesus Christ and you have your fire insurance. You can go ahead and live however you want. And I just pray that this appearance of, ha of godliness but denying its power, having none of the presence of Jesus Christ in our life, may not be so with us. So I want to begin our annual church fast with spending some time asking God to search us and to know us. This is going to be a time of just saying, Jesus, what is in my life that is not pleasing to you? And this isn't meant to condemn people. This isn't meant to make people feel bad unless God is trying to make you feel bad so that he can bring healing and repentance into your life. So I'm going to turn up the music for a little time now. And as we do that, I ask that you just spend some time before the Lord and say, God, search me and know me. Point out any wrong way within me so that I might live clean and holy before you. Let's do that now. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. 
for I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth and sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. Teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop that I might be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. Father God, may the words of David ring true in our heart this morning, God. delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Lord God, just break our hearts of the things that break your heart, God. Shatter our indifference and strip away our complacency, God. Jesus, as people just continue to confess before you and and offer up prayers of petition and and grieve over their sin, I ask, Father, that you just strip it away from them. 
any desire for it will fall away. And that you will not give the enemy any foothold in their life. If they have sought forgiveness, then they are forgiven. There is no more shame, no more guilt. But resolve within them not to walk that path again, Lord. Father, I thank you, Father. I ask, Lord, that you just continue to move in our hearts over that in this next week, Father, as we fast and pray and seek you, Lord, so that we may be a people that have the power of God dwelling within us. Thank you, Jesus. One of the reasons that the church ended up as Paul described it there, is because of a lack or a gross misunderstanding of prayer in their life. Oftentimes we relegate prayer to a simpler religious exercise and instead of seeing it as our life and our essence of who we are in Jesus. So I want us to resolve this year to put prayer first in our life. And we can do that three different ways. The first thing we can resolve about our prayer life is to be deliberate. Prayer and time with God should be the first thing on your calendar. Not something you wedge into it when other appointments, you have some time in other appointments or when other things, or when you don't have anything else going on in your life. There's a saying in life that is true in your prayer life that if you, plan, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And if we're not deliberate in putting our prayer life first, it's always going to be pushed to last or pushed to not at all. The second thing I want us to resolve this year about our prayer life is this, that it is detailed. You need a prayer journal. Prayer journal is just a simple notebook where you write down prayer needs and requests and things that you think God is speaking to you. It's something you can go back and look and see all the ways that God has answered your prayers and how your mindset has been changed to reflect this. Because sometimes the best prayer, or excuse me, the best answer to prayer isn't that God gave you what you wanted. It's that God changed your thinking to match His. And if your thinking matches His, that's when the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And that is when you will see God's power really flow through your life. And you'll be able to answer those people who say, where's the power? Well, let me show you. The third thing I want us to resolve this year about prayer is to be determined. Don't give up. Many of us give up too quickly in prayer. Much of our prayer life is determined by our persistence. And Jesus gives us an example in Luke 18. The Bible specifically says this. He says, He told them a prayer to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Jesus said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, just so she will not beat me down with her continual coming. 
And Jesus said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I ask you that question today. If Jesus were to judge our prayer lives and our devotional time with him right now, would he see faith? Or would he see just a religious duty? Would he find our communication with him an extension of our belief? Or something we just do because the pastor said we should or our parents raised us that way? So I want to go back to prayer and spend some time this morning asking Jesus that question to answer that question into our spirits. Is our prayer life deliberate? Is it detailed? And is it determined? Let's ask Jesus to make this a firm resolution in our spirits to pursue him with greater passion through our prayer lives and our devotional times this year. And Father God, I ask Lord that during this time that you will place within each one of us a firm resolution to pursue you in prayer, to pursue you through the reading of your word, to pursue you just by sitting in your presence, God, that this will be something that we look forward to and is the first thing on our calendar every day. Your word says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given unto you as well. So let us do that. Put that within our hearts now as we go back into a time of prayer, Lord.
third thing I'd like us to resolve to do this year is that through our repentance and through our focus on prayer and spending time with God that that Jesus would be glorified in our lives. Many times pastors use the first sermon of the year to present a goal or or promote some huge ministry that we're going to get into or building projects, different things like that. I want to do something, to me it just seems like a little more simple, but a lot more profound, is that we will be a people that make a difference in this world. And our goal through all the things we're talking about and praying over this morning is just that, that Jesus be glorified in our lives. All these things that we've talked about this morning, all these things we seek God for, all these things we're praying for and, this, and fasting over in this, this next week, it all comes to Jesus being glorified in our lives. Because if we get to be where we need to be in relationship with Jesus, all those other problems, all those other sins, all those other addictions, everything like that, it will work itself out. So as we get ready to close this morning, I would just like actually everybody to come up here to the altar. And we're going to pray together over this next year. Let's all get into a circle here. We're just going to hold hands. We're going to pray together. Don't worry, we have a hand sanitizer out if somebody has a cold. Oval. Get in here. Hallelujah. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this church family. And that's what we are. We are a church family. And I ask, Father, that you just bless them with all of these things that you've laid on my heart for this church this year. That we will be a people that run after you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. <coughs> Father God, I ask, Lord, in this next year, that you, or this next week, especially during this prayer and fasting time, that you will make yourself more real to everyone here. That you will bless them, God. that you will draw them closer to you than they ever have been before. Hallelujah. <coughs> Father God, I ask, Lord, that your presence, <coughs> excuse me, will be with every person here, Lord. Lord God, I bless them now. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
thank you. God bless you.